who will deliver me from this death? I thank God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Basically, listen, this is the way to go. And then he goes to Romans chapter that's Romans uh, seven twenty four. But then he goes to Romans chapter eight, beginning. He says very clearly, there is therefore now no condemnation. So condemnation is important. No condemnation to those who are what in Christ Jesus. But that's not the end of it. Who walk not according to the flesh. But according to the Spirit. If you walk according to the flesh, you stay mad. <laughs> and angry. You walk according to the Spirit, you forgive. As simple as that. You have to make a choice where you want to belong. Most Christ- or some, some Christians are choosing to walk according to the flesh. Yes, you are in Christ, but you are not walking according to the Spirit. So what happened? You stay condemned. You can't beat God's word. No matter who you are. Preacher, deacon, bishop, no matter who you are. The word of God is spoken, you fall into it. You must be under that word. It's going to to be fulfilled in your life one way or the other. So it's just clear. And it eat you over the years. And eat your finances. Eat everything. Because eventually you're going to get sick. If you keep that bitterness. And if you get sick, we'll steal your money after that. The doctors will take your money. So these are the some of the things that we really need to say. But it tells us. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not according to the flesh. Who do not walk according to the flesh. But according to the spirit. The the next verse says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So, two laws. There's law of sin and death. Not just physical death, death to everything that you got. And then there is the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Life to everything that means something to you. Your finances, your family, your home, everything that means something to you. We don't take these things as seriously as we should. And it's destroying, it's causing causing us a lot of trouble. We have to take it seriously. Then it tells us, for what the law could not do in that it was weak. It was weak through the flesh. The law could not do what God intended because it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. It destroys sin in the flesh. So what's the problem? Sin in the flesh was preventing the power of the law of God from doing his work. It was sin in the flesh. The law had power. God gave the law, and Paul acknowledged in Romans 7, the law is good. It's not, the problem is not the law. The law was intended for our good. But sin in the flesh prevented the law from doing its work. So God sent his son without sin to destroy the power of sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law 
might be fulfilled in us, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. I say it again. God sent His Son in the likeness of sinful, sinful flesh, and He destroyed sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It's got to be after the Spirit. The flesh will always tell you all kinds of stories. And you got to stay with the Word of God. That's the way to walk with the Spirit. Not how you feel. We walk by faith and not by sight. Not by your feelings. If you go by your feelings, you'll make a lot of mistakes. Because what you see, Satan is going to interpret it in a different way to you. And you're making judgments that are not right and acting according to the judgments that are not right. But when you look through the words of God, you see better. You see better. And then you act better. And then God can walk through your life. God wants us to be honorable vessels for the master's use. But if we don't do these things and we don't allow God in our lives, then we really cannot be, get to that potential of what God wants for us. We obey God. You stay where God wants you to be till He wants to get you somewhere else. That's just the way I look at it. You may not enjoy what's happening at the particular time, but still, make sure God's there with you. That's why I like the story of Joseph. Joseph was not... He, he wasn't a complainer. He complained about nothing. That, and he says, and God was with Joseph. You know why? He didn't talk about his brothers. He didn't talk about his brothers. Man, that's an Old Testament man, you know. We got a lot to learn. You know, I'll be telling everybody, look, it was just my silly brothers that did all stuff to me. And I was a good guy. My father was loving. He said nothing. And because of his attitude, God was with him. But was the situation okay? If in the natural, it doesn't look good. He seemed he was doing well. And then there comes trouble again. That he didn't ask for. His master's wife, right? Everything was going well. Oh God, you're blessing me. It's okay. And then here comes trouble. But notice, he said nothing. The, peop- the guys in the jail knew nothing about what happened between him and the woman. He kept, kept it to himself. If he told them what really happened, the husband would come to the prison to talk. What did you say? And if he believes Joseph, that woman is in trouble. But he said nothing. But he says, even in the prison, God was with him. It's our attitude that will determine our attitude. How we go with God. How we handle some of these things. Offense will always come. But don't get bitter. And let go. You got to let go. There's a scripture. We need to go to that scripture. I believe it's in that Proverbs chapter 6. Uh, beginning from verse 16, it says, These six things the Lord hates. I mean, if God hates something, stay away from it. 
Hello, brothers and sisters. If, if you read it and he says, God hates this thing, I'm going to hate that thing even if I don't like it. I want to hate it. I, and I don't want to go near that stuff. These six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. I'm reading from the Amplified. A proud look. The spirit that makes one overestimate himself or herself and underestimate others. You know, since I've been a pastor, I've seen that happen. And then it's frightening. It's just some people feel like they're so spiritual and, and they judge everybody else. <laughs> it's frightening. They haven't, they haven't uh, started a church or pastored a church, but they know how to pastor a church. And they want to tell you how to really do it. And then they keep, you're telling me, why don't you start one and know how. After you've gotten all this great car that you think, then I'll listen to you. Okay, I'll listen to you. But that's the issue we're having. A proud look. My, my daughter asked me, what does that mean, a proud look? <laughs> I said, it just looks proud. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just think everybody else don't don't get it. You know, they, these guys they don't get it. I, I think I use the word super spiritual, and you can go on the net. There's some people who are super spiritual, and they act that way. But I've been in Christianity long enough. Once I see it, I say, Oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> Empty vessels make the most noise in kitchen. <laughs> But you can tolerate it. Hopefully God, God will get them out. But that's something that God looks. He hates it. You have to humble yourself. That's one of the things Paul had to deal with in the church. If you read through the epistles, there are people, you read the book of Galatians. They came, they didn't care about Paul. That was an apostle. They want to undermine and they want to lift themselves up. And Paul was saying, look, these guys are not helping you. They put themselves up, they separate you, make you feel bad so that you can keep pursuing after them and so they can have their way. Read Galatians, it tells you that. And in Romans chapter 12, it says, uh, by the grace of God, you know, I want to tell you guys, by the grace of God that's given to me that you don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. But think soberly. It's very important to think soberly. You know, you can tell a true man of God. Many of you heard about T.L. Osborne? I mean, in some circles, if you go to a ministry and you want to see the aura robot, <laughs> they'll take you to, through many circles. You know, it's like you don't even believe you will be able to see the man, Right? I walked into his uh, ministry thing, and then he said, I said, uh, uh, I just wanted to see the building, you know, T.L. Osborne ministers here. They said, oh, T.L. is outside the country. The secretary came out, was talking to me. T.L. is outside the country. I said, really? Can I, you want to see his office? You mean I can get in his office? <laughs> Same thing, 
Charisma magazine, one of those uh, Charisma magazine also, they talked about Oral Roberts. You know, Oral Roberts. They were, the, some editors were supposed to, uh, to interview him, and they were very worried because they see his personality in, in, uh, while he's speaking with so much authority. They were concerned about what he was going to do to them. They were very worried. They, the editor was saying that we were very concerned. He wasn't around. They, they went to tell him the editors were here. And they said, once he sat down and started talking to them, this, like, they were looking at each other. I can't believe this. This man is so humble. We're, we're, they don't know how we got there. And when he finished with them, they were like, my goodness, no wonder. They saw what was happening. Why God was so big in his life. Not what they thought at the university at Don Love. He's just a simple man. Loved his God and loved his Christian brothers. That's the key. Because humility is what God wants from us. So a proud look, he hates. You see, the opposite. If you stay on the side that if he hates something, then if there's something that's opposite to what he hates, then you know he loves that, right? So I stay on the other side, right? That's very important. But let's look at this. Uh, a proud look. That's the first one. A lion tongue. A hand that shed innocent blood. A heart that man, uh, manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. I didn't know hearts of people manufacture stuff like a factory. <laughs> But that's what happens. You manufacture stuff. In other words, you can come up with all kinds of things in your heart. If you can manufacture wicked things, you can also manufacture good things. Why don't you stay on the good side? It's the same heart, right? You have the ability to. You can meditate on good things. When it says they manufacture wicked thoughts, so thoughts are important to God. That's what it says. Thoughts are important to God. What you're thinking, you can actually manufacture good thoughts. And God's pleased. And your thoughts will control what you do. But how do you do that? Staying on the side of the Spirit. Because Jesus came to die for us so we can have a choice. He doesn't force you, just like we, it's like we are back in the Garden of Eden. You can make a choice. You can decide, I'm not going this way. I'm going this way. And this is the way of blessing, and this is the way of cursing. I'm not going that way. I'm going this way. And God will bless me. That's what we must do. It, 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 once you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, we'll come into that, you have the power. Sin cannot have control over you. That's gone. He's already destroyed it in the flesh. Now it's a choice. It's whether you believe what God says and you're going to do what God tells you to do. And if you choose that part and follow through and be committed, committed to it, God's with you. Just like He was with Joseph. God is not partial. If I do exactly what Joseph was doing, He will be with me. He may not have the same assignment that he had for Joseph, for me. But at least he'll be with me for my assignment. That's important. 
you can manufacture good thoughts. If, if, if you want to. God hates that. Well, I'm going the other way. And he talked about people that's uh, uh, the one who sows discord among brethren. Unity among believers is so important. Uh, I just sometimes I will never be the one that causes disunity uh, among Christians. Uh, that's not me. I go to church to worship my God. I want unity because if you read in in um, John chapter 17, you read the prayer of Jesus. He was all constantly talking about let them be one. And he said, other sheep I have that are not of this fold. I'm going to bring them in that they will be one shepherd and one fold. As we are one, make them one. And so God doesn't like that among brothers. And um, one of the major problems, is not, it's not like it's wrong to talk about what's going on. If something is wrong with the brother, you can talk about it. But not the holy gossip. Okay, not the holy gossip. Okay, <laughs> if it's a problem, we, we Christians have it. They're used to just won't talk about it. You ignore it. I don't want to be. I don't want to judge anybody. But you're not happy. That's not love. Love is to tell somebody the truth. But God knows your heart. You can, two people can do the same thing. One person is blessed, and the other person God refuses, because it's the motive behind what they're doing that's important to God. Not what they're doing. Let me say that again. Because I think it's good. (laughs) Okay? Two people can do exactly the same thing. And God will bless one and refuse the other one. Why? It's not what they're doing. It's not the action. It's what's behind the action that's important to God. You can talk about somebody... And another person, one person is blessed, the other person is not. Because your motive is to, okay, lift them up. The other person is saying exactly the same thing, but what they are trying to do is to, and God sees the difference. Man looks at the outward, God looks at the heart. That's the important thing that is is there. We have to watch out for one another and love one another because that's the commandment that Jesus gave to us. And that's staying with the Spirit. Walking with the Spirit is very important. We walk in unity and let God walk with us. So, walking in the Spirit is the important part. God frees us. But let me share this uh, thing about... Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, I just looked down at the time. The reason why we have so much power against everything that this enemy can throw against us, and I have said this, is because of the covenant that God has with us. I thank God for the new covenant that God has with us. Not just for the children of Israel, but for every one of us. The way God cuts covenant, God God will cut a lot of covenants. And you can have a covenant with God between you and Him. I do that. I call it a covenant. I don't see the blood, but I put it in there. 
I see what's going on, and I say, God, you see, I'm just like the rest of them. I got no power to fight what they're doing with. And they're suffering from what they're doing, and I, now I'm not in it, but I don't want to go there. So I cut a covenant with him. Please, God, don't ever allow me to be this way. I'm not judging anybody. I'm scared because of what I'm seeing. So I, I commit that to God. You know what the scripture says? Whatever you commit to God, he's able to keep until that day. So I know I don't have strength. Everybody's suffering through this. Whatever that is, and I see he's coming. And, and everybody, has, some, some people are dealing with it. It could happen to me. I don't have any idea of knowing. I don't have power over the elements. I don't have power over what Satan could bring to me. And how, I don't know how we respond to this temptation if it comes my way. I have, I have no idea. And I know I'm not better than that brother that's going through this. We're all believers. I don't know why he got there or she got there. I don't want that. So I cut a covenant with him. Please, I don't want that. And the Bible is clear. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, the door will be opened. Everyone that asks, receives. I want to ask. If I don't want something, and God will answer me. And if he's faithful, it's something that I can't see in the future. But God has said to us, everything you commit to him, he's able to keep. Right now, I'm committing my life in this area to you. I don't want that for me. I know I don't have the power, but you will supply the power. And after that, I'm free. Not because I have the power, because I trust in his ability to keep me. Amen? And I don't have to worry about that anymore. I just push it aside. That's what it sh- the way it should be. You push it aside. So God has blessed us with this new covenant. And we agree this is very important because He sent His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, He condemned sin or made sin to lose His power over us. Now the law can work. It's working our lives. You remember what Jesus said? I didn't come to destroy the law. Right? But to fulfill it. And we read in Romans chapter 8, it says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And in Jeremiah chapter 31, beginning from verse 33, it tells us this, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel After those days, says the Lord. And this is talking about the new covenant. He had that covenant with them, but now this is a new covenant. I will put my law. Notice, not laws. Law. Singular. The whole of it in one. What the law could not do, that's what it says, because it was weak through the flesh, right? Now God says, I will... Put my law where? In the minds. In the minds. The law is right there. And since power has been broken from the flesh, as long as you meditate in the word and it's in your mind, you got the power to be free. I will put my law in the mind. And what did he say after that? 
and write it on their hearts. That's an amazing thing. You know, when God wrote the law initially, what was he written on? Stone. Stones can obey laws. Stones cannot obey laws. And God knew. But this time God says, they can respond because we had hearts of stone in the Old Testament. It's revealing to us the heart of the Old Testament person and the unsaved person before they are saved in the New Testament. Your heart is of stone. Now, you can read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. You read it? The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him, he says. But we can be free because we know him. So it tells us this, I will write my law in your hearts and I will be their God. When the law of God is in your heart, that's when God becomes your God. And they shall be my people. And notice, when the law is in your heart, nobody has to teach you how to know God. You know God. And that's what Jesus has accomplished for us in the New Testament. And all I have to do is let God save me. And then the law is written on my heart. And so I can obey law. I don't have to fear sin. Sin has no power. That's what it tells us in Romans 6 verse 14. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. But if you make room for sin, that's why the Bible says, do not make room for the devil. If that thing starts welling inside of you, the thought starts coming, you're beginning to make room for it, you can immediately say, no, what I've learned to do, speak it out. That's not me anymore. Let everybody else think you're crazy. <laughs> okay? But say it out. You know, you can't, you can't be saying one thing and thinking another thing for a long time. Before long, you won't be making sense, right? <laughs> and as a man thinks in his heart, so you say what you're thinking. That's not me. You quote the scriptures. Because God has already given us the power. We'll, I don't want to be preaching, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. That's, that doesn't make sense. That won't help anybody. But you find what to do. If you keep speaking, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. What law? Didn't we just talk about the law that's written in your heart? Right? Written on your heart. And, and Ezekiel 36, verse 26, God tells us this. It says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. It says, it will take the stony heart out of your flesh. Remember the heart of stone? Now God's written his law, not on stone, but on my heart. Stone cannot be, uh, 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 will not appreciate it, does not understand it, cannot receive it, but we can receive it. And because we have received it, we have the power. That's why it tells us in Romans, sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. The law is replaced with grace. When Jesus destroyed it, grace came in. And every time the law comes to accuse 
Grace shows up if we do what is right. Grace is the power of God. So never forget your benefit. The Bible says, as he is, so are we. I'm going to expand this. So are we in this world, present world, right? And Jesus is the head, and we are his body, right? Let me ask you, can the head be sick and the body is not sick? See, my head is sick, but the rest of my body is fine. Or have you ever seen a head go, go into a grocery store, nobody to buy groceries? Everybody will be running out of that grocery store. There's <laughs> no way to be there. But as he is, the Bible says, so are we in this world. Until we believe that, we will not act like him. Jesus cannot be tempted, right? We are like him right here in the world. John says, we are like him, but the world doesn't see us like that right now. But the day is coming when God's going to reveal who we really are and the world will see it. But until we believe that, we will not experience it. We have to believe this. We have to believe that Jesus is the authority. I don't... The, Jesus cannot be sick. The head cannot be sick. And if the head... Remember, I am the vine and you are the branches. Can the vine be sick and the branches are not sick? <laughs> can the vine... Can the branches be liars and the, the, the vine itself is not... That's not possible. We are one with him. We are one with him. And we have to see that and meditate on that. We are not perfect because we are going from glory to glory. And so, but if we meditate in these things in our heart, we don't have to fear sin. We don't have to be preaching about sin constantly. Can't do this. We can't do that. No. We have the power over all of those things. We are dead to it. Amen? And so, even though you are experiencing, experiencing it in the natural Say it with your mouth, and that's the truth. I don't want to say that because I don't feel that way. It doesn't matter what you feel. It's what God says. Let God be true, and every man a liar. So your body is also a lie. That's what we were praying over Pastor Andy. God's work prevails over that. Because God's word is the truth. Let God be true, and everyone a liar. And that's where we are going. And we are studying to get to that place. So forget the things that are behind. Right? We press towards the mark. Stand up with me tonight. Oh gosh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being patient with me. Let's constantly declare who God has made us. Amen? There are certain things that will come into your life and Satan is ministering to you, wanting you to think that you must have done something. Yes, even if you have done something, it's forgiven. Put it under the blood. Amen? Put it under the blood. All you have to do is tell God, God, I'm sorry. I've made a mistake. Forgive me. Maybe we shouldn't use the word mistake. I've sinned, right? (laughs) 
and then ask God for forgiveness. And at that same point, no split second, once it comes out of your mouth, it's gone. Why? Because the most important person in the whole of the universe died to make that happen for you. And so once you speak it from your mouth, it's forgiven and God receives you. If you're here tonight and you feel a little bit condemned, why don't you tell Jesus, just tell him, God, I'm sorry for everything that I've done. I just need you in my life. Once he comes out of your mouth, you give him permission. There's a song we sang tonight, I give him permission. Yeah, that's what it is. Give him permission to come into your life. Once you allow it, things will begin to change. Slowly but surely, things will change. Let's lift our hands up to him tonight and thank him. Thank him for paying the price so that you can be free. I mean, no matter what's going on with your life, if it's your finances, thank him for paying the price so that you can be free. If it's forgiveness you need, thank him for paying the price so that you can be free. Whatever the situation is, thank him for paying the price so that you can be free. And you declare, because you paid the price, I am free. I am free. And you're not lying. That's the truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. I can do everything that I set my mind to do because God is with me. God is with me. Father, I thank you for your people tonight. You said nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. That's the love that we need. The love that builds us. The love that makes us great on the earth. The love that makes us light and salt of the earth. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that is currently, right now, speaking great things over our lives. And guarding our destinies. Directing our paths. We thank you because you are with us. God is with us. And we're so grateful. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you.